things off on a Friday. Welcome into the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for another edition of Sportsnet Today. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Another off day for the Calgary Flames. They're getting set to begin a five-game road trip in Pittsburgh on Saturday night. We'll take a look at the opposition a little bit later on this hour. The Penguins, of course, re-upping with their core of Sidney Crosby, of Genie Malkin, and Chris Letang, but adding some firepower on the back end with Eric Carlson. We'll see what the early season results have been for the Pittsburgh Penguins and get a look at what they'll look like when the Flames take to the ice against them on Saturday night. Also, a Stampeders game day at McMahon Stadium tonight. It is a massive game for the Calgary Stampeders. They hold their own fate when it comes to a CFL playoff spot. They need to pick up a win against the visiting Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Matty Rose is going to join us for a Stamps report a little bit later on. A couple of key members of the Stamps will not be playing in tonight's game. We'll get you up to speed with everything there. And our regular Friday chat with our pal Matt Marchese. From Sportsnet 590, the fan, the fan check down. Get you set for week six on the NFL slate. And take a look back at the Thursday nighter. We'll also talk about that Chiefs win over the Broncos coming up in just a few moments time. But the NHL is back and ready to go. Another busy night on Thursday night. It's a quiet Friday on the NHL scoreboard. Just two games tonight. The Arizona Coyotes get their season underway in New Jersey to take on the Devils. Well, it's another edition of OVV Crosby as the 0-1 Penguins, who, again, the Flames will play on Saturday. You get a chance to watch them on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. They'll tee things off with uh, a battle against Alex Ovechkin, so that should be good. Always fun to watch Ovi and Sid go head-to-head. That one on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1 for your viewing pleasure tonight. Let's take a look. Last night at the NHL scoreboard, a lot of teams still getting their first action of the season underway. Let's take you through it. We'll start in New Jersey. Big expectations for the Devils. They opened up their season against the Detroit Red Wings, and it was a familiar face to Flames fans that would pick up the winning goal for New Jersey. Hamilton with a drive for the blue line, and he scores! Dougie Hamilton. It's 3-2. to two. Devils 4, Red Wings 3 is your final score. Taylor, your boy, Jack Hughes, starting the season off right. Two goals in the win. Big season ahead for New Jersey. Jack Hughes going to be a big part of that. Uh, he has two goals in the victory and was your number one star as the Devils downed Detroit last night. Let's head to uh, San Jose. It was the season opener for the Sharks. This one was on Sportsnet 1. They got a little Pacific Division rivalry going with the Vegas Golden Knights, who, of course, kicked off their season with a win over the Seattle Kraken. Vegas starting off their Stanley Cup uh, defense season strong as they picked up another win last night. Michael looking out high, finds Petrangelo, walks to the middle. Hague, the one-timer, score! Nicholas Hague from the right wing circle. The lefty shooter unloads. Knights take a 2-1 to lead. 
4-1, your final score, Vegas over the San Jose Sharks. Maybe a long season for San Jose, perhaps the one positive note for San Jose last night. Philip Zadina, former Detroit Red Wings draft pick, who's now out of that organization and has landed with the San Jose Sharks. He got his first of the season, his first as a member of the San Jose Sharks in the win last night. So San Jose probably in for a long season, but perhaps a little bit of a bright spot there. Let's head to Buffalo, where it was the Rangers and the Sabres kicking things off on last night's schedule. This one was all New York. Back out to Fox. Rangers' first power play of the season. Fox shoots. Score! Kreider setting a screen in front. It is 2-0 Rangers. Make it 5-1 your final Rangers down the Sabres. Alexei Lafreniere with his first of the season. Chris Kreider got two on the night, including that one that you heard on the power play. He's one of the most deadly power play uh, goal scorers in the league the last five, six seasons of Chris Kreider. And the Rangers off to a nice start after a 5-1 win over the Buffalo Sabres. We also had a game head to a shootout. It was the Blues and the Stars tied at one and a new member of the Dallas Stars making a good impression for his new team in the shootout. So Duchesne, five for seven last year with the Preds. Second shooter, Duchesne, scores! Matt Duchesne with the shootout winner for the Dallas Stars. They beat the Blues 2-1. Other final scorers, the Panthers shut up by the Wild 2-0. Kraken shut up by the Preds 3-0. And Blue Jackets doubled up by the Flyers 4-2 in a seven-game schedule Last night, Taylor, you had to be excited. Jack Hughes, you're a big Hughes fan in general. It's not Quinn, but Jack was pretty good last night. I don't know where this Jack Hughes came from. Am I wrong about that, Cam? I mean, it's more of a Quinn thing from what I've heard. Uh, But I mean, Jack Hughes is very exceptional, and I think he is just as deserving of love as Quinn is. I mean, like... (laughs) Taylor just starting va- off strong on a Friday Taylor here. Taylor just vastly disagrees with that. With no, that I mean, Jack Hughes is a great player. And I think that I mean, any, you know what you're getting out of Jack Hughes. You, there's not really much surprise there. No, he's been pretty good. Um, so someone text me and said, no flyers jackets highlights. Yeah. You know, I just, that, that was Does anybody want those? Did, did that one happen? of those games that, that that's going to be on the schedule. Flyers jackets. I mean, that must have been prime time. It's a win. Sean Couturier was back. We were kind of excited that Johnny Gaudreau didn't have any points. I searched up the box score for Flyers jackets, and the first thing that comes up is just a bunch of coats uh, for the Flyers. So you can tell how how fun that game was. Hmm. Uh, an interesting, just a side note. I saw this making its way around Twitter last night. Uh, apparently, outside Minnesota Wild home games, there's a new thing. The uh, rented jersey. Yes. Yes. Is this a cool thing or a no thing? I like it. I think because it looked like it was just like a fan or something. It didn't look like it was officially put on by the no, Wild it organization. Was not. It was just like out of the back of a truck. So. I mean, I would like it if, you know, the the org did something like that. And it wasn't just, hey, man, I've got 16 different wild jerseys sitting in the back of my van. Do you want to come rent one for 20 bucks? 
<laughs> but I mean, it's a good it's idea. It's a great business model. Yeah, People go to the games. They don't have a jersey sometimes. And you're making bank. I like the idea, though. I think it, it uh, jerseys are expensive. What, 200 bucks? 250 bucks for. Yeah, somewhere around the, the $200 mark. 20 bucks for, sure. for the, the few times you go out to a game? I don't mind it. I guess it depends if you're a a diehard, if that's going to matter to you. Like if you're going all the time, probably just get your own jersey, right? Yeah, if you're a diehard, you're going to buy your own jersey. But for the people who go one, two, three games a year, it's kind of tough to justify 250 bucks on a jersey, plus tickets, plus parking, plus food, everything like that. I like it. I'd but, be curious to know how many jersey rentals that thing gets. But let the... Let the orgs handle it. Are they it. cleaned? Don't, don't have some, some Are they person. clean? <laughs> this is just a random guy Does with a lot smell of jersey. Of beer and nachos and popcorn mm-hmm. and other. <laughs> yeah, like they've got to be. <laughs> we'll see. I thought that was interesting. It was one of those things. Uh, NHL schedule, like I mentioned tonight, just two games, uh, including the Penguins and the Capitals, if you want to watch it. On Sportsnet, Coyotes and Devils at 5 o'clock. Moving over to football. We'll dive more into this with our pal Matt Marchese. But, man, Thursday night football, just not all that exciting if you're a a football fan. And the Broncos just continued what's been a pretty abysmal season for them. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs didn't put up as many points as maybe we thought. But they sure handled Denver pretty easily. Here's the lone touchdown that Patrick Mahomes threw on the night against Denver. Chiefs have been inside the 20 four times in this game. Shotgun snap. Caught near side. Touchdown, Kansas City. Kadarius Toney on the quick out. And the Chiefs finally break down the door and take some nectar. Uh, take, Take down some nectar. Take some. Where's the nectar coming in on all this? Is this going to be the new Tutty? No, Tutty's fine. I like Tutty. Take some nectar, though. I don't get take some nectar. I don't. I, I'm i completely now, yes, lost. Am I Kansas oblivious? City did have lots of red zone opportunities last night and failed to capitalize on most of them, but that's a, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Um, I got I to gotta play better. Yeah, let's do that again. Kadarius Tony on the quick out, and the Chiefs finally break down the door and take some nectar. What? <laughs> what does that mean? It's, they break down the door and take some nectar. They're like, <laughs> I, I have no. Is it when you ask your neighbor for sugar and I have no justification like the, for how like this makes sense? Passive aggressive way of of taking like your it's sugar, you just very, knock down the their ag- door. Very and... aggressive way of just I am going into your house and I'm stealing some sugar. <laughs> that was the most entertaining highlight I could find from the night, and it wasn't even because it was a cool touchdown. It was a really easy touchdown throw to Kadarius Tony. I just still don't quite understand what this means. Kansas City, Kadarius Tony on the quick out, and the Chiefs finally break down the door and take some nectar. What does that mean? <laughs> what nectar? I'm going to break down your door, and I'm going to take your nectar. What does that mean? I, I don't know. It's, it's, 
It's honey? What? I'm confused by it. I... 19-8, your final score. Chiefs 5-1. and one. Broncos 1-5. One and five. Now, we were promised less Taylor Swift if you were interested. She was at the game last night. Still got an awful lot of Taylor Swift. Despite being told we were going to get less. You can never have too much Taylor Swift. Uh, you can. And they're they're getting there. <laughs> I just can't stop listening to it. And the Chiefs finally break down the door and take some nectar. What? That's so good. You've just been saving that one? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen videos of, you know, play-by-play guys and color guys who will have kind of not scripts but little snippets and calls that they like to use here sure. and there. I wonder if the night before he's like he's sitting in his desk writing out lines to potentially use for this game. Take the nectar. This is it. Who's nectar? The I, team's nectar? Breaking down the door. Nectar. Is it like the mojo from Austin Powers? Is that what they've <laughs> taken? Is it the new word for swagger? Is it the Riz? I don't know. <laughs> Very confused. Uh, more on the NFL scenario coming up with our pal Matt Marchese in hour two. See if he can take some of the nectar. Kick down the door and take some sweet nectar. Uh, five and one Chiefs now, one and five Denver Broncos. Uh, field is set for the final four Major League Baseball playoffs. Phillies. Downing the Braves once again. And Nick Castellanos with an absolute dagger in the hearts of Atlanta. Two games in a row with multiple home runs. This was the one that put it away for Philly in the sixth last night. Castellanos, high fly ball. Way back. Goodbye. Castellanos makes it three to one. That is all the offense the Phillies would need. Here's the final call as they put away the Braves for the second straight season. One and two, the count. And did he go? He did! It's over! The Philadelphia Phillies are headed back to the National League Championship Series! Tough for the Braves. Back-to-back seasons, they've uh, been ousted. By the Phillies, Braves manager Brian Stineker just have to give the Phillies credit for what they're able to do at this time of the year. All the credit, I mean, the Phillies stifled us. I mean, they they pitched really well. They had great plans. Um, their guys got big hits. I mean, you can't take anything away from that. Oh, my God. You know, we, we got beat. Phillies manager and Canadian Rob Thompson, proud of the way that his group came together in the postseason so far. I don't think the moment gets to them at all. In fact, the moment, I think, helps Harp a little bit. Um, But Trey's been unbelievable. That home run he hit today was huge. Nick's two home runs were huge. Harp's two home runs yesterday were huge. Uh, Those guys just, they step up. Phillies with three days off before the uh, NLCS opens up. Braves have lost 10 of their last 11 elimination games and we'll have to wonder about another empty postseason after a great regular season. They get to the same spot against the Phillies two years in a row and aren't able 
to close it down. So we're set now. It's Texas and Houston, Arizona and Philly, just like we all thought it would be. Um, Houston just there year after year now. It's makes me sick. Even though the team's still team's still really good. You can I was one of the people that ragged on them pretty hard for the the cheating scandal and, and I think rightfully so. But they've turned over a lot of guys from that era and still continue to win baseball games. So they're set up for game one on Sunday against the uh Rangers. It'll be Justin Verlander going up against Jordan Montgomery. And then, like we mentioned, it'll be Monday before the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Phillies get things underway from Philly. That'll also be game two for Texas and Houston. Uh, Who's your favorite now, Taylor? Obviously, the Jays are gone. We've been through that story, but now we're here to the final four. Do you have a favorite team? Is there somebody left that's caught your eye? I'm kind of liking the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Hollywood story, right? Like the underdog is too good. Well, it's mostly because Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabrielle Moreno are on there and they're kind of doing everything (laughs) that you wish the Jays would do. Would would it bother you? Like, would it be frustrating to see them win a World Series or would you just be happy for them? I think I'd be really happy for them because they deserve it. Yeah. Like, they couldn't win it with the Jays, but at least they won it. And they got traded, right? It's it's kind of It wasn't of like they left on bad terms. Yeah, they did nothing to say. As far as we know, they both liked it in Toronto and both would have wanted to to stay in Toronto long term. But the Jays obviously went into a different direction. They made the trade for Dalton Varshow. That hasn't worked out well. And like you mentioned, Moreno and... Uh, Guriel have been absolute keys to this Diamondbacks run and they're a six seed coming in. They beat the Dodgers. They sweep away the Dodgers, which is just unbelievable. The Dodgers, just one of the great choke artists of MLB postseasons past uh, 11-2, 4-2, 4-2, the finals uh, in those ones. So yeah, I think I'm with you. I think Arizona is kind of the fun one. We've seen a lot of these teams before. Like the Phillies were here last year, obviously. We know Houston's always in this. Texas hasn't been as much lately, but I'm with you. The Diamondbacks kind of feel like the last fun story in all of this. And yeah, it would be cool to see a couple of former Jays um, who, like I said, didn't have anything bad about the Jays organization. They just got traded. We'll see what uh, what comes of that. We'll go a couple days without baseball, but we'll have plenty of hockey uh, to get to. Coming up, like I mentioned uh, on the program today, we'll take a look at the opposition, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're in action tonight if you want to watch them, uh, get a feel for what you're going to see against the Flames coming up on Saturday. They're taking on uh, Alex Ovechkin in the Capitals. You'll also get a chance to see the Caps, who are next up for the Flames on Monday night as Game 2 of that five-game road trip continues. Flames will then be in Buffalo on Thursday to take on the Sabres. Friday night, they're back in Columbus to visit Johnny Gaudreau and the Blue Jackets. And the road trip ends off Sunday, October 22nd, a 3 p.m. mountain puck drop against the Detroit Red Wings before they are back at home for two games, Rangers and Blues. And then before you know it, the NHL Heritage Classic will be upon us. So just seven games to go for the Calgary Flames before they take it outside to take on the Edmonton Oilers on the 29th. If you still need tickets, you're still looking to get to that game, head to Ticketmaster.ca, Flames and Oilers, the Heritage Classic. Coming up in just a couple weeks' time 
from Edmonton. Weather's holding out pretty well right now. Who knows what it's going to be like when we get to Edmonton on the 29th. But fingers crossed for everybody going that it's uh, it's a good game. We don't have to worry about delays or anything else uh, going like that for the Heritage Classic. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. I mentioned, uh, as usual, we'll take a look at the opposition. The Pittsburgh Penguins uh, made waves this offseason with one of the bigger acquisitions uh, in the entire NHL. Eric Carlson comes over to join the already veteran core of Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, and Evgeny Malkin. Is it enough to put the Penguins back into a playoff contender mode? We'll find out about them next. Get a look at their game against the Washington Capitals as well and see what's changed for this team uh, since last season. That, as we take a look at the opposition next, when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Of course, the Flames kicked off their regular season in style, the 5-3 victory over the Winnipeg Jets. The Scotiabank saddled on back on Wednesday. It's the only taste of home ice that the Flames are going to get early on in this season. The team is en route to Pittsburgh to kick off a five-game Eastern Conference road trip that starts, of course, against Sidney Crosby and the Pens on Hockey Night in Canada. Includes stops against Alex Ovechkin in the Capitals, the upstart Buffalo Sabres, old friends in Columbus with Johnny Gaudreau and Eric Goodbranson, and a stop in Hockey Town to wrap it all up. Flames will look to build off of the good parts of the win in Winnipeg. Andrew Mangiapane, a shining star for the Flames, the play of Jacob Markstrom. We'll get more on a Flames perspective on a morning skate coming on Saturday. But now the NHL season's underway for all 32 teams across the league. A chance to look in on the Flames' next opponent, the Pittsburgh Penguins. New... Leadership under Kyle Dubas, same coach that's been there the last couple of years in Mike Sullivan, and still that same core that brought a couple Stanley Cups to Pittsburgh trying to get the last bit of juice out of their careers together. And, of course, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, you know the crew, uh, Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, the list goes on and on in Pittsburgh. But they're hoping that one key acquisition, a guy that looked a lot more like the guy that we've seen in previous years, Eric Carlson, will be the one that can put them back into Stanley Cup contention. Just been one game with Eric Carlson for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was a loss on opening night to Connor Bedard and the visiting Blackhawks. But the Pens have a chance to get back on the win column tonight when they take on the Washington Capitals. Then, of course, Saturday against your Calgary Flames. Let's take a look. At the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier today, our pal Patty Dumas from the Big Show with Russick and Rose sat down with Taylor Haas from DK Pittsburgh Sports to talk all things Penguins, starting with her observations from opening night for the Pittsburgh Penguins against Connor Bedard and company. Yeah, I mean, it's too hard to put too much stock into into opening night. Um, the Penguins had seven new guys in the lineup. They mm-hmm. haven't had that many new guys in the lineup since 2006, so... I feel like, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period. But, yeah, I mean, you saw, you know, good things from, like, like you said, Sid's line, um, Brian Russ especially after he was kind of coming off a down year last year. Uh, the third period collapse a little concerning given that that was an issue yeah. uh, last year. But I, I feel like the third period collapse was a little different. I feel like, you know, last year when they would collapse, 
um, they would, you know, straight up collapse and they, it would be like an onslaught of, of shot attempts. But this one, they just kind of sit, you know, mm. set back and they weren't, you know, going for anything offensively themselves. Um, so that was a little concerning, but um, I feel like it's too early to say like it's a trend or it's anything carried over from last year, especially all the new faces. Uh, Eric Carlson, obviously, probably the the biggest new name uh, that was uh, added to the Pens this uh, this off season. Obviously, we know what he is—a super offensive minded player, but you know, a little left to be desired in his own. And uh, what did you make of 65's debut with uh, in uh, Vegas uh, or in Black and Gold? Yeah, I mean, he had, he had a quiet debut. He, he had a quiet, you know, preseason debut too. But then he, you know, he turned it on. Um, that his last preseason game, uh, it's still, you know, an adjustment period, especially um, with him quarterbacking the top power play unit. Now, um, you know, they had a Jake Gensel for opening night and that was the first time they had ever played uh, together. So um, I'm quiet debut. I think you saw flashes of what he could do uh, offensively and what, you know, what you can expect, but um, you know, not, not, not a lot of the points that I think any of the fans are hoping to see opening night. Uh, his partner, his defense partner, obviously, uh, Marcus Patterson, a defensive-minded guy. Uh, you know, he hasn't had the most healthy career uh, so far, but is is he the right fit right now for Carlson's game to be give you that, you know, well, Carlson's going to do his own thing and his own you know, his offensive mind, but then you have Marcus Patterson who's, yeah, I'll take care of the defense. Uh, is that a good fit to start at least? Yeah, I, I love that pairing. I think Patterson is one of the real underrated um defensive defenseman in, in the game. Mm-hmm. I know if you look at like the, the micro stats and like the advanced stats with him and, and what he's able to do to protect his own end, he, he's super underrated. He doesn't get the attention um, he deserves like that. So yeah, I, I like that. Um, uh, they were together, you know, all of preseason, even going back to the informal skates before, you know, training camp. Um, so they've had a lot of time to get, to get acclimated. And the one thing uh, Carlson said is he likes to speak English on the ice and Pedersen <laughs> doesn't. Pedersen likes to speak Swedish. So there's, there's that, uh, there's that they have to adjust to, but um, yeah, I've, I've liked what I've seen from the pairing so far in preseason. Uh, the last era, the Brian Burke, uh, Ron Hextall era went, you know, it didn't go as well as you know maybe people would have thought, but uh, it's, uh, you know, in steps Kyle Dubas, and he has certainly put his stamp on this group. Uh, how did the fans initially receive the hire of Dubas? Obviously, we saw what he did in Toronto and uh, building them back up to where they are now. How are the fans taking to Dubas when they announced that hire uh, just at the end of June there? I mean, the the bar, I think, was set pretty pretty low from the last regime and fans I think would have accepted anyone but mm-hmm. I mean the reception of Kyle Dubas I think um, bringing in Kyle Dubas just seems so unrealistic for a long period of time there's that time when you know, you thought he was going to go back to Toronto but then even then um, you figured he would have to have you know a big price tag or it would, it would be hard to bring him here but I mm-hmm. think fans were ecstatic and then obviously the the moves he, he makes coming in and the Eric Carlson trade um wouldn't, you know, not only bringing in Eric Carlson, but then dumping like the Jeff Petrie contract and the Kyle Granlund contract that, you know, I, I know fans thought, I thought, you know, they wouldn't be able to unload that without, you know, throwing in, you know, you know, picks, you know, draft picks and it would be a cap dump, but to get like Eric Carlson in return, um, yeah, Dubas, yeah. your fans loved him to start and he's made a great first impression. Does he, does, in your impression of, of Kyle Dubas, does he feel like he's got like obviously he had the GM role there in, in Toronto, but he, you know, there was guys above him. Obviously MLSC has a has a big hand in what everything goes there in Toronto. How, how much does does Fenway uh, Sports Group play into what Dubis does? Obviously he, he's president, he's GM right now, but how much say does like Fenway Sports have in, in what Dubis does, or is it just like, hey man, this is your team, you do what you want? I, I think it's more so, you know, it's his team. Um, he can do what he wants. Uh, 
Fenway, you know, the top guys at Fenway, like like John Henry, Tom Warner, they're they're not in Pittsburgh that often. Yeah. They do have, um, you know, someone on the ground, but you know, he's he's not one of the top guys at, at Fenway. But um, so they do have someone from Fenway involved in the day to day operations. But I mean, no, I mean, naming Kyle president of hockey ops, that kind of uh, that says it all. He's uh, he has you know a lot of control here. Uh, Riley Smith, uh, that was another uh, really nice ad. Obviously, Vegas needed to to do some salary dumping, but you know you get you get Riley Smith in. He was a a massive part of uh, that Golden Knights six year journey that uh, ultimately uh, culminated in a banner. Uh, what are the uh, early returns on for Smith? How does he fit in with through training camp and and uh, and and preseason? Yeah, I think um, the thing with Smith, so he's he's playing on Malkin's left wing. He's he's filling the role that Jason Zucker used to have. And I think something Riley Smith brings more so than Jason Zucker is just a defensive uh, game yeah. and responsible, which you kind of need if you're going to play with um, Evgeny Malkin. Uh, I, I forget the way Mike Sullivan put it during training camp, but he, you know, he put it nicely that Malkin can be like adventurous with mm-hmm. the puck and that can sometimes be hard um, to play with. And Riley Smith is the kind of defensive-minded partner you want to pair with a risk taker uh, like Malkin, but then Riley Smith, if you look at, you know, what the numbers he was putting up in Vegas, he's able to contribute offensively too. Um, so kind of a, a quiet debut for him too, but uh, I, I like the potential of, of that, that line. Is, is the top, I look at the top six, like that's a, that's a, that's a top group in the NHL. Uh, you go, you pull every team and you're like, that's a, that's a decent top six. Obviously that you got Lars out Lars Eller centering that third line. You got Jansen Harkins. You picked up off waivers, but is the depth there? You think uh, for the Penguins, is, is it a right mix or is it just it feels a little too top heavy right now? I I think I mean the depth has definitely improved over what it was last year. Just mm-hmm. it was so so bad last year. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's hard to say. Um. I I like uh, pieces of that line of of the bottom six. Jeff Carrier is still kind of a concern, um, mm-hmm. just his age slowing down. I mean, they kind of reduced his role as much as you really can. He went from third line center to fourth line wing, yeah. playing on the wing, you know, far less taxing. In, but then, you know, the minutes too. Um, and yeah, there are a couple of pieces there that uh, you know, if like like a Harkins, if he doesn't you know live up to expectations, he could just get put back on waivers and probably end up back in Winnipeg. And something that Dubis did this summer more so than I've, I've seen since I've been covering the team six years is the, the depth signings for the minors. So Wilkes-Barre is going to be incredible this year, but yeah. there's so many pieces down there, especially at forward that, you know, someone falters in, in the, in the bottom six or, you know, anywhere on the NHL roster, there, there are pieces in Wilkes-Barre waiting to, to come up and take a spot. We're chatting with Taylor Haas, uh, Pen- uh, Penguins reporter for DK's pit. DK Pittsburgh sports. Uh, it's it's Tristan Jari's crease now. He signed a nice extension there in the offseason. He's a career 914 save percentage, 265 goals against. Uh, you know, those are some damn fine numbers, but, you know, he was banged up all last season, he said. And, you know, can do you think he can be the guy that can be the 60 to 65 game guy? I think, you know, Alex Nedeljkovic can be a, a nice spell, but I don't think he's where he was maybe when he was in Carolina there in his rookie year. But is Tristan Jari like the guy that, that can lead Pittsburgh to where they want to be? Uh, I think 60, 65 games might be asking a lot. Um, You know, he was, he was injured a lot, a lot last year. Um, And it was, it was the same injury all throughout the season. He had it, 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 it training camp. Um, 
is when he, he started dealing with it, and he really was just not able to get healthy. Full offseason um, of, of rehab, it seems like he's in a good spot now. He says he is, not that he would tell us if he isn't. Uh, but I haven't seen any indication that he's still hurting or, or trying to play through anything. Um, but still, you look at what he was doing with last year. I, I, I'd be cautious to put like a heavy, heavy workload on him. Nadelkovic had a great preseason, mm-hmm. and I, I, it, that's someone that you don't. It's hard to know what to expect because he played for Detroit, where and Detroit makes a lot of goalies look bad. But yeah. he played for Carolina, that makes a lot of goalies look good. Yeah. I, I feel like the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Um, so, but I mean, from the, from the preseason, what we saw, I, he was, he was solid. Um, so I, I maybe lean on him a little more than, okay. um, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Because I mean, like, I think that's, that's the trend around the NHL is like, there's very few workhorse goaltenders nowadays. You look at what Vegas did last year. You see what LA is trying to do. And if you can get a good split, uh, you know, a 60, 40 split with your goaltenders, I think you're going to be doing all right. Uh, I don't know where Vegas gets some of their odds sometimes, but they, they listed Mike <laughs> Sullivan as the third, uh, with the third best odds on the first ho- head coach to be fired at 15 to two. I know it's an easy excuse. Oh, they're old and whatnot. And you know, they got Carlson. If it doesn't work out, you know, things aren't going to go well, but man, this guy won two cups back to back, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a rare thing to do in this day and age. Do you, do you feel like the, Mike Sullivan's not getting enough credit for what he's been doing here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, especially, you know, since the Cup, the years where they, you know, had so many injuries and he Mm -hmm. was able to keep them uh, in a playoff spot, you know, up until um, last year. Yeah, I don't, the odds on him getting fired, I I don't see that happening. And I mean, if it were to happen, you know, he'd have a job the next day. But uh, yeah, the way Dubas has spoken about Mike Sullivan and uh, even Fenway, Fenway, when they took over. Um, they're calling him one of the greatest hockey minds of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's no way Mike Sullivan uh, gets gets fired this season. I, I think you know he probably doesn't get enough credit on the outside, but yeah. internally with ownership and president of hockey ops Kyle Dubas, I think he definitely gets the recognition he deserves. Uh, Penn's playing the Capitals tonight uh, down at the Capital One Arena in uh, Washington D.C. Where's the, where do you think this rivalry's at? I mean, the Capitals—they're obviously in a transition state. Uh, they got a new coach, uh, Ovi and Backstrom, are also you know entering the twilights of their career, like similar to this Penn's group. Is—is uh, is this a rivalry that maybe has a potential to carry over after Crosby, Malkin, and Ovi have gone, or is it just like this was a this was a manufactured thing, but that? It was Crosby, Ovechkin, and that the Penguins and Capitals can't ever be rivals again. I I think the the rivalry will carry over. I mean, they were you know rivals in the nineties, yep. not quite to the level of like you know Penguins, Penguins Flyers. The the Sid Ovi thing was definitely manufactured, and there might have been some hatred between the two of them early on. But I mean, if you look at them now, it they're friends, yeah. and, you know, they, you watch them at the all-star game and they did that little skills competition, mm-hmm. you know, breakaway challenge together with Ovi's son. Um, I remember I, I asked uh, Ovi at the all-star game, you know, how his, the rivalry has evolved over the years. And um, he spoke about it becoming more of a respect. And he said, you know, like once they're both retired, he will sit down and have, you know, some beers with them and talk it over. Yeah. So uh, that that hatred definitely isn't there anymore. Um, I think it is on the, with the fans, but um, it's just cool to see how the rivalry has evolved now that you know Sidnovi are where they are in their careers. Yeah, it would be it'd be super interesting to see those do like do two like a podcast or like an interview sit down just yeah. like, just Ovi and Crosby just talking about their careers and whatnot because like 
Like there's a, the whole generation of fans were built behind those two, and like you look at it around the NHL, like Connor Bedard, his favorite player, Sidney Crosby. It's it's crazy. Uh, your latest up at DK Pittsburgh Sports was uh, the, obviously the the joint disappointment shared by I think a good chunk of players around the league, and uh, Penguins uh, players obviously shared their opinion. But uh, what was the general mood uh, as the NHL's latest step backwards uh, unveiling their special initiatives ban? Yeah, I. You know, it's it's to, it's not super clear what all that ban entails, but mm-hmm. the one thing that's been confirmed by Outsports is, is the pride tape, yep. which was always optional. Um, you know, the, the jerseys, that was a whole separate issue, but, I mean, the pride tape, there were always players that didn't use the pride tape, whether that be due to personal beliefs or just not wanting to go through, like, untaping and retaping their stick exactly. after Exactly. And yeah, so the the mood, uh, you know, I asked I asked a bunch of the Penguins players in the after practice yesterday about the ban, and it, disappointment um, really across the board from everyone I talked to, and I, they also seemed, you know, especially like you know Gensel and Raquel, they seemed confused of why it, this was even necessary because, mm-hmm. like I said, they're like it was always optional, no one was forced to do it, and there were plenty of players who didn't use the tape, and yep. no one, I, you know, there were like maybe four or five Penguins who didn't last year. No one noticed. No one cared. Uh, so it just seems like you know the NHL is putting it in, re- in reverse and flooring it, taking a, a step back with really limiting what these uh, players are able to do. I know. I know some players across the league. Um, I believe Scott Lawton Scott with Lawton. the Flyers yep. said, you know, yeah, he's gonna. You might see the tape anyway. I know Pride Tape has said the players have ordered it. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. One team, I believe, has ordered a whole bunch of it. I don't know which team, but I know yeah. one team ordered a whole crate of it. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, about the Penguins. I know when I talked to them yesterday, a lot of them had only found out about it that day. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they really hadn't had a lot of had a lot of time to think of it. But I mean, yeah, it was a weird time to it was a weird time to announce right. the ban. Like your your season's starting up, the players are still <laughs> in camp, and he's like, boom, it's a holiday Monday here and down in the states, yeah. and here you go. Yeah, I mean, and the sentiment across the board from the Penguins is like we're going to have to find our own way to recognize these groups, and that's not just the, the Pride Night. Um, yep. You know, like the the hockey fights cancer. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of guys who are passionate about that. Pio Joseph spoke about, um, you know, like the Black Hockey History Month. Yep. Um, there are guys passionate about the military nights, and it seems like, you know, all of the individual things the guys were allowed to do before is just taken away. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy decision by the NHL. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. You know, they set the North American sports record by playing in their 18th straight season together. Obviously, they got the three cups, the longevity. Do you feel like with these guys and, and you know, they under their current contract structure, is can this group win a Stanley Cup one more with these guys? Yeah, I you know I people like to point out that the Penguins are the oldest team in the league and their average age and all that, but I think if you look at the years that those guys had last year, Latang obviously you know he had the stroke and you know mm-hmm. he, he had some time off for that, but they're they're not they're really not slowing down. And you look at you know Crosby and Malkin played all you know 82 games. Yep. Um, they weren't the problems. There's the pieces behind them mm-hmm. that, you know, Hextall really failed to build up, especially at the bottom six. Um, so, yeah, I think the core can win another cup. It's whether or not they can build around them. And, you know, they have pretty affordable contracts. It's not like they're, um, you know, restricting them in that way. And that's, you know, what even Dubas said when he got he got hired. I asked him, you know, do you believe this is a group that can still contend for a cup? And he said he does. 
but it's up to him to build up, you know, the, the supporting pieces for the core. So um, it's too early to say whether or not they've, they've done that uh, appropriately. But uh, I definitely think the core has, has uh, you know, one more run in them. Taylor, thank you so much for uh, for talking some Penguins with me. Enjoy the game tonight and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. And we'll uh, we'll do this again in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime. There you go, Taylor Haas, DK Pittsburgh Sports, joining Patrick Dumas on the big show earlier today. Talking all things Penguins, their 0-1 to start the year. They dropped their season opener to Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks with their back in action tonight against the Washington Capitals. And, of course, at home Saturday Welcoming in your Calgary Flames. That means Flames pregame with Pat Steinberg is going to go at 4 o'clock. 5 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will have the call. It's game one of five on the road for the Calgary Flames. All except one game going to be those 5 o'clock starts. The only one that's not a 5 o'clock start is the finale of the road trip in Detroit on the 22nd. That one's going to be a 3 p.m. mountain start. So we'll have a 2 o'clock. Flames pregame with Pat Steinberg on that day, but for the next four games, uh, get your clock set for the 4 o'clock warm-up show with Pat, and then, of course, Derek and Megan on the call right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. The fan. Always, of course, fun to see these games. Washington-Pittsburgh near the top of the list, as always. Generally, just the two games a year that you get to see these Eastern Conference teams. Always fun to see Sid. Always fun to see Ovi. Be watching tonight to see what these two teams look like. It's a big risk for Pittsburgh, I think, to add another veteran guy like Eric Carlson to that core. But they've committed to Crosby. They've committed to Malkin and Latang. They're going to see this thing through. And you're going to see two teams that are kind of going in different directions, I'll say for now. I don't see Washington maintaining the same sort of competitive status that, that Pittsburgh will. Now, Washington's doing it more so uh, as Ovi chases down Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record. Pittsburgh's trying to maintain it and get to a, a Stanley Cup. I don't know that either team is is truly going to be at Stanley Cup contending level again, but uh, Pittsburgh, again, like I said, taking a big risk. Carlson, Latang, I don't know that I see that much of a difference. I know that, that Carlson's been able to reach bigger offensive heights than Latang has in his career, and that sure could have the makings of a deadly power play unit with those guys on it. And Carlson, um, you know, quarterbacking that power play, like Taylor mentioned in that conversation with Patty, but it just feels like a big risk. If the age curve catches up on a couple of those guys, this team could be in tough. And I just, Tristan Jari's back in Pittsburgh. And I don't know that that was the ideal situation for Kyle Dubas. I think he found a, a tough goaltending market that just didn't show a lot of options out there when it came to true number one goaltender. So you go with the option that you know, and you're familiar with in Pittsburgh, but is Tristan Jari still the same guy that can get you through a regular season at 60 plus games and take you through the the grind of an NHL postseason? I, I think I got to, he's going to have to prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, if he is indeed still that guy again, Four o'clock Flames warm up on a Saturday. Pat Steinberg will get you ready for the Flames and the Pens from Pittsburgh before Derek Wells and Megan Mickelson have the call right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. We're going to turn things over to football for hour two. NFL and CFL talk coming your way next. We'll get you set for the Sunday slate 
of NFL games uh, for week six. Matt Marchese from the Fan Checkdown is going to join us for a regular Friday chat with Maddie, And then our pal Matty Rose is going to join us to get you set for the Stampeders and the Rough Riders. A massive game for the Stampeders. Yes, it's been a dismal season at times, but the playoffs still in reach for the Calgary Stampeders if they can pick up a key win tonight at home against the Rough Riders. We'll get you set for the Stamps and the Riders. That, in hour two of the program, it's here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.